0: the, the, the word that people are forgetting is sustainability, right? If you are burning yourself out each week, um, you might beat your competitor week one, week two, week three, but week four, when you're homesick because your immune system is pretty much like non-existent, your competitor is just going to walk right by you and continue to walk by you until you get better. If you get better, right? I don't want to, uh, kill myself out and not be able to do the kind of work I love doing past 35. I want to be able to do it as long as I'm able to be alive, right? Yeah, Um yeah. And
1: that, that's my approach to that. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cederholm, your host. This is episode 18. We chat with Jared Arandu, currently uh, the head of design at Lattice, and he's also building uh, a question and answer platform for designers called Playbook. He's co-host of a great new video podcast called High Resolution, which is highly recommended and a design ambassador at Greylock Partners and previously worked at places like Teespring, uh, Omada Health and Treehouse. I know Jared uh, from way back when uh, he co-founded the industry with Drew Wilson um, Jared has a interesting perspective on the design industry and um, we get into a lot of cool topics around the products that he's building and has built and, and sort of his view on, um, on community and, and, uh, and everything. And so it's a, it's a great chat. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, be sure to rate in or review us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And, um, uh, thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, please uh, visit us, uh, dribble.com slash contact, and let us know how we're doing and, and any other uh, suggestions you might have for the show. Okay, this week's episode is brought to you by Fresh Books. And I know there's a lot of freelancers listening out there, and there's a lot of freelancers in the Dribble community. And as a freelancer, you're juggling all sorts of different things, right? Paperwork and invoicing, accounting. Uh, That's where FreshBooks comes in, and they've just launched an all-new version of their cloud accounting software, and I think you're going to love it. Um, It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features like create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners here. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash overtime and enter overtime in the how did you hear about us section. So again, freshbooks.com slash overtime. Find the how did you hear about us section and enter the code overtime. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring. Okay, now let's chat with Jared Arandu. Uh So welcome to Overtime, Jared Arandu.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thank, it's, a, it's a pleasure having you on here. Uh, I've uh, known about you and, uh, for a long time now, uh, uh, going back w- way back to the industry days.
0: Yeah, that was like uh, yeah. five years ago now.
1: Yeah, it seems
0: first five (laughs) guests or something on our podcast.
1: Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was fun. So you know, I was on there with you and and Drew Wilson Mm -hmm. and Adam. uh, Adam, Adam Stakoviak. Yeah, Um, that was a that was a great show. Um, You know, you guys had a good run there for a long time. Is there any any, uh, anything happening with the industry these days? Or so
0: (laughs) the industry has been on the longest. Um, hiatus known to a project. Uh, I think the last time we did anything really was um, in 2013 when I moved to San Francisco. But yeah. um, there's another project I'm working on, Playbook, that you can argue was the phoenix that rose from the ashes.
1: So, oh, interesting. Oh, cool. Because yeah. I want I want to talk about that for sure. Yeah. So, the, so the 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 origins of that kind of are, are a little bit related to that mm-hmm. to uh, the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about Playbook. So it's uh, this is. Kind of uh, one of your current projects, right? Yes, it is. Um, So Playbook
0: is a knowledge sharing site. Um, We built it for the design community. It's not going to be exclusive to Design Forever, but we started with this community because it's our community and we know it. Um, But the goal of this site is to be a place for designers to learn from each other around career development. Um, So we're not focusing too much on hard skills, you know, around processes and sketch or Photoshop or whatever tool you use, but more around the challenges that we tend to face in our careers. Um, Like, should I become a manager? If so, how do I become an effective manager? Um, How do I run a design sprint? Um, I'm the only female on my design team surrounded by a bunch of men. Like, how do I navigate those waters? These are questions Mm. that designers have a lot, but oftentimes they keep to themselves because for whatever reason, they feel like they're the only person experiencing that problem. Um, and mm-hmm. what we're doing with Playbook is exposing them to the fact that hey, there's actually twenty or two hundred or two thousand other people with that same question. Um, but for each of them, there's at least one person who's been in that position and can tell you um, can can shed some some actionable perspective on how to navigate it right
1: Wow so wow, yeah. I, I love it I love it. I love it because you this is stuff that yeah that's not really surfaced right now, right? A lot of a lot of a lot of the questions that people just don't talk about uh you're sort of providing a forum for that, which is great yeah um you know I'm just looking at the culture like what how do I know when it's time to leave my company like mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. a great question like those are <laughs> those are the kind of things you often you're just on your own kind of wondering for forever mm-hmm. um uh that's that's fantastic so how how did how did it come to be like where did the idea come from huh. so playbook. I don't even know how long it's
0: been on my mind, but, um, I could, you know, I guess I can argue like three years or so, but, uh, when I moved to San Francisco, I, you know, I, I wanted to get to know the designers here. So I had lots of, uh, coffees or teas with many people in the Bay Bay area and, um, During our conversations towards the end, I would always ask them, like, you know, what's one thing that you're facing? What's one challenge that you're facing right now that you're just having a hard time with? And I noticed over the course of, like, one or two years that I pretty much just heard about 20 questions just repeated in um, different phrasings, right? Um, And what I would do is follow up with these people and say, like, hey... You know, um, I remember when we grabbed coffee like a month ago, you, you mentioned that this is happening. Well, I actually just met this guy or I actually just met this girl who's going through that same thing too. And you should probably connect with them. Um, and I realized I was kind of becoming like this liaison of uh, knowledge sharing. It's like you have this problem. That person has an answer. The two of you should meet. Um, and uh, when I joined Teespring, that was my first leadership role. Um, I joined the company when we were around 20, 30 people. I left two years later when we were around 500, and my role went from that of an IC to um, a manager and a director. And I remember having one-on-ones with my team and uh, coming across the same thing. Um, there were just very common questions that were being asked. And um, what I realized is that myself and a few other people started devel- developing our own personal playbooks. Um, you know, if someone asks, when is the time to uh, join a company or how do I negotiate my salary? I had built... You know, patterns of how I approach those problems. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool if I could just write this in one place and uh, just send it to people every time they ask me that question.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and I actually did. I had used Text Expander on my Mac and uh, I started writing <laughs> common answers. Like a common question I used to get is, should I or should I not go to college? And I had uh, this uh. thing that was like, it was like asterisk college. And if I typed it out and clicked space, like it just expanded into this long answer. <laughs> um, that Cause, I you, just, Cause
1: you were getting you're getting asked that all the time. Yeah. And I was, you yeah, know, yeah.
0: I, was, I was writing my answer each time and I realized I wasn't saying anything new. So I was like, let me just capture this as a playbook. Yeah. So, you know, we were still, the industry was still kind of running at that time. And that's big. That, that's due, um, due in huge part to Jordan Koschey who, um, who was one of our editors in the industry and actually the original engineer on Playbook. And um, I remember having a conversation with Jordan and telling him, hey, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. And he made the point, he was like, it sounds like it's just a natural evolution of the industry. Um, When we started the industry, the goal was to have conversations around design that we didn't feel were happening anywhere else on the web. Um, yeah. Back yeah. then, there was a lot of content around how to do something in Photoshop. Photoshop was the thing back then. Um, right. And there were some editorial sites, say a List Apart, um, you know, uh, Carsonify before it became Treehouse, um, mm-hmm. that focused a lot of their attention around these topics. But I felt that it could get a little bit meaty. And uh, Drew Wilson and I started the industry, and Jordan came on pretty early. And he was like, well, you know, today, the goal that the industry was trying to solve is pretty much accomplished. Now, if you search design, you can argue there's too much content on the web, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what can we do differently? Let's answer the direct questions that people have. And we decided to start working on the industry. So this was, sorry, playbook. So this was uh, last year, January. Um, and then since then, you know, we, we moved pretty slowly. But I think around August, September of last year, we finally switched gears and said, look, this is our main focus. Um, And let's build this thing out. Let's define an MVP and let's ship it. And I gave the team uh, a a due date by end of the year. It was 2016. And I'm like, by the end of this year, we have to put out something on a domain called Playbook and put that in front of people. (laughs) Um, So in November, we started seeding our content. Um, We put out a few tweets just asking the design community, hey, across these eight topics, like process, communication, research, culture, balance, um, you know, what are some... uh, questions that you have that you feel like you have not gotten a good answer to. And I opened up my DMs on Twitter, and we received probably around four 400 DMs. It's pretty crazy. And oh, wow. we copy-pasted these questions into a spreadsheet, arranged them, made sure that we can pull out the redundancies, attach the identities of the people who asked the same question, and we launched our homepage called AskPlaybook.com. And what we told the community is, hey, this is a place for you to ask the burning questions you have around your career. We will organize them so that we can, you know, take out redundancy and make sure that they're objectively written. Um, That way, more people can answer them. And soon enough, we'll launch, uh, you know, the ability for people to answer
1: those questions. And that is how Playbook started. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I mean, so out of those 400... um, dms i i imagine there was some some patterns there with people asking the same questions right?
0: definitely yeah yeah which yeah. is a big problem of a lot of q a sites where you know you every time you ask a question that someone else has you are effectively competing against them for an answer yeah right 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 and we wanted to get right. rid of that
1: yeah that's great i mean and, and it also shows like that a lot of people are wondering about the same things right yes um and, and they just need a place to to uh collectively think about it uh which is fantastic uh this is great man I so so what's on the roadmap for for playbook next then See. some really exciting stuff
0: um so i'm i'm blessed to be working with an amazing team so jordan Coshe of course, has helped out a lot. Jordan Singer, he's an engineer and designer at Square. And Jeremy Goldberg, he's a designer at Facebook on Messenger. Um, and we have some, you know, extension, some other people who've contributed a lot. Jessica Collier has been so fundamental in helping us uh, approach our content structure. Um, Coley, I feel like I'm giving shout-outs.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um, all right. Shout but I kind of have
0: you. to because uh, these people... Playbook wouldn't exist without them. Um, Yeah, yeah. And what we're focused on right now is making it very clear what value we're trying to provide for the community um, and getting designers to want to answer on Playbook um, and not see it as just another Q&A site. So what we've done so far, and this kind of bleeds into what what we're currently working on, is really understanding what motivates someone to share online um, so a couple months ago when we allowed people to start answering on playbook, we, you know, we would manually give out access and we call these people contributors. We told them that writing on playbook is the amount of uh, work involved is in between that of a tweet and that of a medium post, right? Hmm, yeah. And we would have conversations with them to get an understanding as to why they don't actually write online. So we would actually find people. Who have never written on Medium and who have never answered a question on Quora. Because by all intents and purposes, these are people who do not share knowledge online. And we were like, if we can get them to do it, we can get anyone else. Um, <laughs> so in talking oh, yeah. with them, we, we, you know, came across three common themes. The first one was, well, I don't know what to write on. I don't know what people want to know about. The second was, I don't really know how to write. Um, if you give me a blank canvas for UI, mm-hmm. I'm happy. You give me a blank canvas for words, I freak out. Um, and then the third one was, I don't have an audience. So even if I did know what to write on and I did know how to write, no one's going to find the thing. So we were like, okay, let's make sure that our core product solves for those three things. So we already solved the first by having the questions. Um, what we did was we gave our contributors the ability to say out of these eight topics, I feel very comfortable answering questions around these two or three. Um, and that allowed us to filter out the questions that we put in front of them. The second, I don't know how to write. We figured out what was a core format for our answers, and what we came across was what we call the overview, which has a 100-word limit. Um, and we've actually found that word limit has been very impactful in getting people to write because they, feel, they don't feel that anxiety around, is my answer too, um, oh. too short, right? Yeah, wow, that's, that's brilliant. And Um, then there's a section called the action item. And the goal of this section is to make sure that your answer is in fact actionable. We want to make sure that when you put it out there, someone who's reading it can do a thing rather than just read about a theoretical approach to a problem. Hmm. And then finally, as far as solving audience or reach, um, you know, when you're on Playbook and you see a question, you can ask your own or you can follow a question. And, you know, following is you saying, I have this too, and I want to be notified when someone um, answers it. And right. we have questions that have six or 700 followers. So in effect, if you are a contributor in Playbook and you answer a question that has 600 followers, 600 people are notified. Um, and what what that gives you is an instant audience, but it's also a target, targeted and focused audience because these are mm-hmm. people who explicitly said they want to hear from you. Um, but that's our starting point. And so far it's worked a bit. We We definitely have answers coming out daily. It's awesome when I actually get emails on Playbook you know, of answers from people who I don't know, or actually I do know them because I invited them, but, um, (laughs) you know, they're answering my questions. Uh, you know, I worked at Lattice during the day and, um, I was having a conversation with one of our PMs and we were talking about, um, this process around research that we wanted to uh, develop and and essentially eventually deploy to our company. And we were talking about how, uh, she was asking me like, how, how do you get like a team to buy into a new process where they don't feel like it's top down or like this is being forced in them? And I'm like, you know, I have some ideas, but let's brainstorm because I can't give you a clear answer right now. And right when I was walking out of the room, I get an email and it's playbook saying, hey, like so-and-so answered, how do you get people to buy into a new process? <laughs> right. <laughs> and
1: I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like,
0: like, this is literally the question I, you know, so. Um,
1: the system works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, so coming up in, in the future, in, in the short term, actually, um, is just improving um, our experience for contributors to make sure that they feel comfortable writing on this platform. And we've evolved the pitch to them um, to say that it's more that of a tweet storm, right? If you mm-hmm. think about how a tweet storm is actually structured on Twitter, there's the announcement that, hey, everything beneath this is together. <laughs> right? right, right. And then you have the one slash, two slash, three slash. The issue with that, of course, though, is that Twitter has not productized that. So people can still interact with any tweet in a tweet storm in isolation and actually lose the context of everything else the person was trying to say. Yes, right? yes. We don't have that problem on Playbook. So I've actually been DMing people on Twitter when I see them in a tweet storm around design or around a question that we have. And I'm like, hey, I see you're starting to get some shit. <laughs> you should probably <laughs> hop over, you know. So, um, so yeah, so a lot of a lot of investments and tools for our contributors. And um, on the community side, a big problem that we need to solve, of course, is discovery. Right now, if you're not following a question or following someone who tweets an answer, you don't even know Playbook exists. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it really is a community you're putting together there. Is there, um, uh, you know, are are you curating the the people that ask questions or answer the questions? Or how do you get involved, in other words?
0: Yeah, so curation is very, very sensitive um, we don't curate users at all. So user, anyone can sign up for playbook. Um, what we do do is we collect information on you knowingly. So it's not like we're like scraping, <laughs> scraping <laughs> information. Um, right. but the things that we want to know is, you know, how do you identify what's your gender? Where are you located? Um, are you a contractor freelancer? Do you work at a company? How big is your company? How big is that company's, uh, design team? Um, the reason why we want to know all this information is because ultimately we want to give every designer the ability to answer on our platform. But what we've recognized, um, most Q and A sites have not really figured out is, uh, that everyone has a very unique perspective on any question. So for example, if you ask me, um, how should I run my design critiques, my weekly design critiques, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to answer from the perspective of the only designer at Lattice. If you ask, um, you know, if you ask Jeremy, for example, Jeremy is going to answer from the perspective of a design organization of hundreds of people. Right. Um, And that is going to influence our action items. Um, He's going to operate on the assumption that there are other designers in the room. I'm not. Right. Um, And we want people to know that when they are, answering and when they are reading an answer that, hey, um, you know, this is, this is more a perspective than a definitive answer, right? So we want to, uh, we want to surface the perspective that is being shared um, to make sure that there is uh, there's alignment on both sides. So when, we, when a user comes to Playbook, they can sign up, doesn't matter, and we collect this information and we will be smart about how we use it down the line. Um, now on the contributor side, that is still um, done manually by our team. Now, in I guess by the time this goes live, there will now be a button on Playbook that allows you to request access to be a contributor. And um, you will go through the onboard, fill out this information, and with time, we will let you in. But how we're letting people in is we are in the back end aware of the amount of uh, women on our platform, men on our platform, designers on our platform, freelancers, founders, um, small company, big company. We see all of that and we want to make sure that we keep it balanced. Um, that way, when these contributors naturally answer, we always
1: make sure that we have a good mix of perspective for any for any given mm, question yeah well that's 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 amazing for for this type of platform that's yes. great yeah so to be a contributor meaning uh, to ask questions right
0: to being a contributor means you can answer.
1: Oh sorry, answer questions yes and then and the questions themselves you got you guys are are uh, finding those. And putting those in as starting points. So
0: now um, I would say about, well, all the questions, probably 90% of the questions on the site came from the community and not us. But right now a designer can go to playbook and ask a question on the homepage. And we get that question in our in our dashboard and we see it. Um, and your, your identity is anonymous. So no one ever knows who asked the question. And this allows you to see, ask the question you really have. Um, but what we're looking for in the back end is, is this an original question? Um, if so, let's publish it, and this person who asked it will be the first follower of that question. Um, if if it has been asked before, let's find the question that it is most related to, connect it to that, and the person who asked it is now a follower of that question.
1: Oh, um, excellent, excellent. And if
0: it's spam, then just get it out. So th- there's a very, very... It's it's hard to look at a question and figure out is this original or not, but we are getting better at how we do that. And Jessica was actually very, very helpful there. So, you know, when you're looking at a question. Have you seen the movie Arrival?
1: Yes. yes. Okay. So there
0: there's a scene where she's trying to figure out like how they compose sentences. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're basically doing the same thing with playbook. It's like, you know, <laughs> like there, w- there's the part that we call the dimension, which is the perspective of the person. So sometimes someone asks a question like, as a manager, how do I blank? Right. The question or the problem statement is, how do I blank? Not the full thing. So we have to extract as a manager because we can filter that perspective on the platform already. Right. Right, um, so right. there's a lot of interesting things going on in the background that's manual right now, but hopefully we figure out a way to productize it.
1: Wow, this is fascinating. And and you said, I think early on, like it, you're focusing on design right now because that's where you all live, right? And you yep. know that space the best, but you could potentially um, expand beyond design for other, other definitely, uh, disciplines? Definitely. Yeah. I think we'll always remain focused in career development, um, right, but right. ultimately
0: I want we want, all of us, we want Playbook to be a platform where if you are hitting a roadblock in your career, you come on this site and you find an actionable way to take a next step
1: um, from someone who's been in a similar position. Mm, that's great. Wow, this is fantastic. And uh, it, it's, it's it's also interesting, you, you mentioned earlier that uh, there was a lot, of, there a lot of resources online for you know how to build things for the web or design uh, and and less so on team dynamics or or career path and and that kind of thing so i think that's 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 where this comes in and and becomes incredibly useful Uh, hopefully yes (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic so now you're uh you said during the day you're at you're at a company called lattice Mm -hmm. is that right
0: yes not latisse we i heard that for the first time last week
1: Which is fine. Oh, Latisse, Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, you know, looking at the logo, I can kind of see, like it. It's sort of like a lattice, uh, lattice work, like fence or whatever. So mm -hmm. that's what tipped me off. But um, yeah, tell us about tell us about that and how you got there.
0: Yeah. So lattice at lattice, we are building performance management software. Now that sounds like a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Um, But what it essentially is is we're building tools that helps companies, um, help their employees. And, um, that's something that's really dear to me because, um, I've contracted for a good number of companies in the Bay area and, um, you know, team dynamics processes, but also just like employee health is something that always stands out to me. Mm, Um, And it's a, it's a huge filter for me when I'm choosing a company to work for. And, um, Lattice is founded by Jack Altman and Eric Cosdo. I met both of them at Teespring. Um, Jack was our VP of BizDev and Eric was Teespring's first engineer. Um, and I always, especially Eric, I always appreciated his, uh, his attention to, um, to Teespring's culture and making sure that we were not just moving fast and breaking things, but moving fast smartly and uh, in a sustainable way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a huge argument against burning yourself out. Um, Yes. Yes. And when I left Teespring, Eric and Jack left a month after me and Jack hit me up and he was like, hey, you know, we are going to build some stuff um, and we are going to focus our attention on building tools that help improve processes that we could have done better at Teespring. And I was like, all right, well, that, you know, okay. (laughs) Like, like what? And um, (laughs) he mentioned goal management. Um, And the selling point was he and Eric wanted to build a tool that allowed a company to define their objectives at the highest level um, and be able to have every person from the CEO down to the intern who joined today know what they are supposed to be working on today and how that ties back to a company's objective which is powerful because it forces a very very clear sense of alignment and direction right now the company knows what its high level objectives are and even the intern knows that little thing i'm going to do today moves a needle in this way right mm, um, yeah, and yeah. they were like you know we worked with you at teespring we like you can you uh, can you help us design this thing so i came on as a contractor this was like late 2015 um, and I worked with them on the side for this. Uh, they went through YC. They graduated mid last year, and they launched their product. Um, and it was it was it was decently received. Companies were using it, um, but we quickly realized that, like you know, the uh, the concept of goal alignment it sounds amazing in theory, but in application, people are very very lazy. Um, <laughs> if you if you you know, if you tell any yeah. CEO, "Hey, this software will align you," of course. Now, if you ask the CEO to write a goal, yeah, right, 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 um, right. and we're like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. We built this awesome tool, and we know it would work if people do it.
1: If people if people do it, yeah, but people yeah. aren't
0: doing it. So, what should we do? Um, we mm. can either invest a lot of uh, time in like you know uh, engagement, like let's gamify it, have coins or whatever, or we can figure mm. out how what we built can uh, become an incentive by being attached to something bigger. So mm-hmm. when we looked at the space we had essentially entered, we were in HR, human resources. And we looked at the biggest problem that um, an HR person deals with. It's the performance review. The performance review, um, which is done typically at companies like 50 plus, um, is so critical. It's the thing that uh, you know makes employees stay. It's the thing that... Thing that makes employees leave it affects your compensation your promotion your track record everything and um, a lot of companies still do this very manually in spreadsheets um, and if they have found a tool there's a high likelihood that tool sucks so we decided to build that tool so we spent a, a lot of time just talking with uh, people in HR at companies but also the employees because what we realized a lot of our you know now competitors uh, skip over is the fact that when you build HR software um, it is probably one of the only pieces of software in a company that every employee actually uses, right? When you think about building software for engineering, um, it's effectively engineering using it. Maybe a PM, maybe a designer, and maybe a stakeholder. Same thing can be said for a designer. When you think about sales, you have Salesforce. Um, when you think about like, uh, finance, you have NetSuite. But when you, when you think about uh, HR, the tools that they're using, everyone uses when you join a company, you have to go through onboarding. When you leave a company, mm-hmm. you have to exit. Um, when you sign your paperwork that says you are now an employee of this company, you are the employee doing that. When you're doing your performance review, you have to do that thing. And we're like, okay, let's uh, let's try and solve the performance review. And uh, we built a tool. We launched it late last year and um, it was really, really well received. Um, and there were two things that we recognized along the way. Um, one was that The performance review could be more effective if it happened more often. Traditionally, companies run performance reviews annually. And uh, the issue with annual performance reviews actually leads into the second um, um, insight we had, which is context. Um, What happens when you ask someone to review another person over the past year is you cannot actually remember everything you did with them that year. right? Um, So bias starts to creep in. Confirmation bias, recency bias. Um, if you can't remember the project you worked on they might walk down the hallway they're wearing your favorite shoes and you could not get them last week so you're like ah i actually hate that person two stars (laughs) right that's not cool because that person (laughs) that's gonna skew you know so we're like okay well how can we solve for context um and we realize oh shit, our goal tool if we can actually encourage if we can tie the incentive to defining your goals and doing them Um, to providing context to something that is critical and fundamental to a business, maybe people will start doing it. And surely enough, they started doing it. So what Mm -hmm. happened with our goals tool now is managers became more empowered to want to define them for themselves, their teams, and their direct reports because they knew this was a way that they can track each other's progress. And when it now came to the performance review, when I'm now giving Dan a review, I can actually see Dan's goals, how he did against them, and that can extract some bias um, towards extract some bias for myself and what I would say about you, right? And great, we made two great. more investments in that space. We uh, built a tool for feedback, um, just allowing companies to define their company values and then employees can give each other feedback, whether positive or constructive, weighed against those values. And finally, we have a check-ins tool that allows managers and direct reports to um, to answer a set of questions on whatever cadence, you know, you can kind of think of it like a retro on Fridays, um, but to also have one-on-ones and that's actually the tool I'm most excited about because, you know, when you ask the average employee, why did you leave your last company? It tends to be because of their manager. Managers are the number one reason why people leave, right? Um, and I, I think that's just going to become more and more true because mm-hmm. there are more and more first-time managers who don't know what they're doing and who themselves had a bad experience. So they come in, they inherit this team or they build this team, and they don't know how to lead them. Um, and one opportunity we have with Lattice is we, we're we going to have insight into the patterns um, of these businesses um, in terms of what, what behavior tends to lead to good outcomes and what behavior tends to lead to bad outcomes. And if we can surface those things in the product, we have the opportunity to actually help companies operate better, right? If we know that you just became a manager today, we can say, hey, Dan, you know, congrats, your direct reports are Jared, Jason, Kai, Melissa, um, here are things you should start doing with them. Set up a one-on-one. Here's what a one-on-one is. Here's how to make for an effective one. By the way, we have this tool that allows you to like start working mm-hmm. on your talking points, etc. So,
1: yeah. yeah, super, super useful. Wow, yeah. uh, you're right. I mean, you're you're creating the um, the framework that should be there, you know, by default, but often isn't. You know, <laughs> so, yes, yes, um, yeah. So there's a pattern here already that we have <laughs> talked about two things that you're mm-hmm. that you're working on, and um, you know, they're they're around like helping people work better, right? Or or helping them grow better as a as a um you know in their career or just helping them uh helping teams work better together um where did how how does that it seems to be a passion how, how did that arrive i feel i
0: don't know, um when so i'm i'm, I'm a self taught designer um self taught writer i actually got into design through writing and um uh,
1: interesting yeah
0: I guess everyone's a self-taught writer. No one actually teaches the other. Ah, eh, nope, that's we're a lie. Not. Never mind, self-taught <laughs> writer. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And um, when I was uh, when I was growing up, there were, you know, in hindsight, there were many times that I feel like if I just had someone there to um, to tell me you're doing the right thing or you're not doing the right thing, I would have arrived where I am a lot sooner. Mm. Um, I'm. You know, I'm not bitter about it. I'm, it's not. It's not a big deal, honestly. Really, it's just that um, I feel like I'm now in an opportunity to um, to do for others what I wish um, others did uh, for me. Right. And, right. Um, right. And I'm a very, very big proponent of knowledge sharing. I feel like you know, when you decentralize knowledge, when you give everyone access to it, a lot of good outcomes can come of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's an, you know, so, someone was telling me recently that it's an argument against capitalism, and I'm like, it's not. Because the underlying uh, the underlying assumption in that statement is that if everyone has access to all the knowledge in the world, that everyone will do the same thing, and that's obviously not the case. Because you will always have the person who will never get up from their couch. Um, that doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access to the knowledge. Yeah, um, right. And when when it comes to things like processes and especially the design community, um, just figuring our stuff out, like we we we're, we're not even consistent on our job titles, right? No. Um, right. I feel like there's so much that can happen if we actually try to solve our own problems as a community rather than in isolation. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, design is still seen as a very immature department within a company. I think obviously we've grown up a lot, but we're seen as a teenager. And the reason yeah. why I use teenager as a metaphor is a teenager clearly knows some stuff. They have a sense of identity, um, but the adults in the room don't want to exactly trust them with anything that they're not going to hold them accountable to. And that's the position that design <laughs> yeah. really is in, right? Like, yes, you can have a teenager at the "quote unquote" decision-making table, but there's not any decision they're going to make that will not be second-guessed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like uh, you know, just coming together on these things will be very effective. Um, and I feel that just making the knowledge that we've um, you know, we've uh, accumulated here uh, in you know any tech hub—New York, Seattle, Portland, SF accessible to other people in other parts of the world that um we will move further faster so it's it's just always been a passion um yes you can draw um you can draw connections between the work we're doing with playbook the work at lattice the work we did with high resolution the industry it's it's all connected
1: yeah it 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 definitely seems that way in a very good way um yeah so you mentioned high resolution which um which I did want to talk about as well, because that's, uh, uh, that's taken off and it's become really, um, really popular, uh, podcast video cast series. Um, so it'd be cool to hear about that. Cause I, you've, you've been interviewing a lot of interesting folks. Um, and, uh, I think every, anybody out there should be, should be watching it for sure. But, um, tell us about how that came to be. And also <laughs> how do you sleep? <laughs> or do you um, sleep? <laughs> yeah. Oh man,
0: that's that's the question. I'm actually excited to answer. Yeah. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so on high resolution, I do high resolution with Bobby Goshall. He's my co-host. Yes. And yep. one of my long, long-lasting friends. Um, I've known him, I think, seven years now. It's crazy. Um, and Bobby and I have these like deep philosophical conversations at least once a quarter. It's pretty funny. Like we'll call each other just to check in. It's meant to last three to five minutes. And then my, we end the conversation because one of our phones died. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And we had one of those in like October, November, October of last year. And uh, Bobby was, he was, you know, let me know his frustration with uh, with the talent pool of designers because he was most recently um, head of design at WeWork and he was growing that team. And um, he's telling me, dude, I just, I just see this recurring pattern of uh, designers who just, they just really don't know what they're doing. Like, and this is not his team. Let me clarify. The team's really smart. These were people who were trying to join. Gotcha. Um Yep. And uh, he was like, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know where the origin of this problem is. Is it that we're not doing enough teaching as an industry? Is it our curriculums, um, or is it just pride and like, you know? Um, entitlement Um, and then he said you know I I told him that like on the other side too there are many many companies that don't that still don't know the value or the role that design plays in a business Um, when I get emails saying hey like do you want to like do this contract for us and I'm like okay well exactly like what what do you want me to bring to your company and they're like you know make it look cool and I'm like well okay lots (laughs) lots of work to do here Um, and you know while we were talking we were like you know this is just one of those conversations that we're going to have and then we're going to be bitter and then we'll wake up and like continue our lives how about we like break the pattern here and do something about it um we're like okay well what's the most obvious thing to do go find people who've who clearly know how to uh teach and grow designers and also convince businesses to invest in design um right so we made we got the spreadsheet together we put on like two Three, four hundred names of design leaders who we admired, who we felt um, did this thing really well. And uh, we started um, figuring out a format. We settled on video because we wanted this to feel like a series and not just a podcast. Um, and we capped it. We said 25. So if you, if you notice, like 25 in video it makes it sound like a TV show. And that was our yeah. goal. It, yeah. We wanted yeah. to feel like a show. And, you know, each episode would average an hour. We would have commercials, you know, quote-unquote, um, and uh, it, it'll be cool. And uh, it's it's funny how much we committed to in the beginning because video is not – video is fucking hard. <laughs> um, but we, we did it. Yeah. And, um, you know, in December, we started reaching out to people. Um, we started getting our first guests. Uh, we reached out to sponsors. We got our first sponsorships. And in January, we just threw ourselves into it. We filmed 24 people in a span of about, like, you know, Four weeks, pretty
1: much. Wow! Um, so, you, oh, so so almost all of them you filmed at once. We
0: filmed twenty-four out of twenty-five.
1: All yeah, at once, wow! Across wow. Uh, six cities. Wow.
0: Um, and uh, we launched the series um, in late February. We've been putting out one episode a week. This week, well, the week of this recording was Christy Tillman from Slack. Um, and next week. I'm assuming the week of this release would be Ben Blumenfeld, um, one of the co-directors at Designer Fund. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. our last our last guest. well, I don't know if we've actually announced her or not, so I won't say. It. Actually, no, we did. Um, will be Grace Kim, the VP of Design at of Twitter. So she's the last person for us to film, wow. and she'll close it's, out our series.
1: Fantastic! Wow, and I mean, so the yeah, and the list of people you've you've been able to to talk to is is impressive, and um. And really varied in in terms of what what they do, where they work, and um. So so after the last one, that that's it. It's capped at twenty five, or unless yes. you do a season two or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, and I was saying I always find it interesting that um most TV shows end one season after they should have. And <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I, I'd agree with that. Definitely.
0: Um, I'm not saying that's the case for high resolution, but as of now, we don't have any plans to do another one um when we started it the goal was for it to be a one-time thing it's like we are this is our this is our response right we we've noticed this pattern of people not knowing how to communicate design and companies not receiving the message so let's create a series that teaches people how to communicate design and teaches companies how to adopt them um, how to adopt it and let's do that thing let's cap it let's launch it and then we peace out and um, <laughs> we're we're five weeks from piecing out. And you know, it, it's not to say that there's no there's no chance at all for high resolution to um to come back. We we definitely thought about it. We have ideas um, around what we would do if we were to do it again. But yeah. right now, we're not committing to it. I would rather surprise the industry with another season than you no. know turn into like the MacBook Pro where people if. are like, "Once <laughs> once <when's> it coming."
1: <laughs> if only. If only most TV shows uh, had that same, yeah, uh, you know, same thinking. <laughs> we, well, Toy Story we, does. Oh, they yeah, told us Toy true.
0: Story three was the last, and then now, that's right. And now
1: there's a there's a fourth, right? Yeah, I think. So Which Disney's I'm happy about. I actually yeah. like. I really like those movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. So that's that's amazing. I mean, how do you uh, you're juggling all sorts of things? Um, oh, I know the other thing that came to mind when you're talking about. Um, employee health. Right? I just kind of want to circle back to that because um, I'm wondering, you're in San Francisco and, you know, as an outsider to San Francisco, oftentimes the vibe that I would get is that people work nonstop there. And, and that's kind of a badge of honor type thing. And I'm wonder if that's not true anymore. And, and is, is there a, is there a shift going the other way? Obviously you're, you're a, uh, sort of leading a shift it sounds like with with stuff like lattice but is that part of a a greater awakening out there or 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 not i'm just curious
0: yeah i'm always cognizant about how much i extrapolate the conversations we have on design twitter into locations because i don't i don't always know but i know yeah. that there are a few conversations that i see a lot on twitter one is around um Diversity, of course. Um, another yeah, one yep. is around uh, research because it's still, it's still a thing that we say a lot and don't do a lot. Um, mm-hmm. There's an undertone of empathy-related conversations because it seems that empathy is the designer's favorite word that they never like to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah. the last one is around balance. And there was a yeah. recent uh, Twitter war, you can, you can say a few weeks ago, on the concept of like, you know, burning yourself out, uh, to beat your competitor versus like working, um, short hours and smart hour hours. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, exactly. Yep.
0: Yep. The thing that we uncovered a long time on playbook, a long time ago on playbook is that there is no such thing as a definitive answer to any question. Um, mm-hmm. my brother, uh, I remember he told me years ago that the best way to start the answer to any question is with, it depends. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that's very true. So, yeah. when you think about these arguments with Twitter, they, they argue in absolutes. There's one person saying it is all the hours until you die. And then the other person's like, it's the fewest amount of hours until you, like, I don't know, whatever the opposite of die is, continue right. to live. Right? right. And I'm like, it's actually neither of those things. It's just somewhere in between. And it somewhere is between. highly relevant to your situation. Right. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you moved out to San Francisco and you have literally no hobbies. You don't do anything besides design or code. And that makes you happy. Design and coding is your happiness, not going out for, for photography or hiking or um, painting or any of that stuff. If that, if those things do not make you happy and design makes you happy and you want to design during the day and come home and design, that is fine. I can't look at you and say that you are unbalanced. You have found your yeah. balance. Your shift yeah. is that of work for money and work for fun, right?
1: Yep, yep, good point. If you,
0: point. If you are a parent, And you have children that you have to see and you need to leave the office an hour earlier than other people. That is you. I can't argue that and say, oh, this person's giving, you know, uh, one eighth less, less time each day than everyone else. No, this person has found their own balance. Right. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I feel like too many times in our community, we try and, we try and say this is the, this is the status quo. And if you are above this, you are overexerting. And if you're beneath this, you are underperforming, right? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is different for every single person. I've worked with people who can sit down at a computer for two hours and do the same amount of work as someone else who can sit down for 20 hours. I've seen people who are the inverse. And, you know, obviously in certain environments, you want to optimize for the former over the latter. But those are two different people operating in two different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to say that balance is this thing that has this absolute... Uh, absolute, uh, measurement is, 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 is false. So for me personally, my balance, I realized that I was out of balance. I realized this, uh, towards the end of last year. And, um, you know, I was, I was overexerting myself and I had, I had been doing it for a few years and I started noticing it with my health. Um, you know, even sitting down, I'm like, I'm yeah, like I, I knew that I had to make some changes and and I did and I have, and I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I remember, you know, I, I'm pretty active on Instagram stories. And uh, I remember someone commented and said, like, dude, it seems like you have, like, a lot of balance. And I'm like, I've literally never heard that phrase before. What do you mean by that? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. Like, I just, I see your Instagram stories every night. You're, like, always playing pool or whatever. Like, it seems like you're, like, pretty chill now. And I'm like, "Is are, are you okay? Can can you continue to expound? And he's like, I don't know. Like, you know, so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and I'm like, are you If you're trying to compare your balance to mine, that's your first mistake, right?
1: Yeah, 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 good point.
0: I like pool. If you don't like pool, then this is not balanced for you anyway, right?
1: Right, right, Um, right.
0: I I have a uh, a twenty minute commute. If you have a two hour commute, by definition, you have an hour and forty minutes less less time every evening to do the things that I'm doing. Right? Yeah, There's so many yeah. things that factor in. I live right across the street from four bars that have pool tables, so it's not like I'm Ubering or lifting like twenty minutes to go do the thing. I'm literally falling <laughs> right, out of my right. door into a pool table. Right. 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 right um. Right. So yeah, like. You know, I, I feel like I'm ranting, but
1: um. no, no, this is good. No, I, I I agree with you. I think I think also, um, Twitter and or Instagram stories or whatever is never going to be a, you know, an accurate uh, portrayal of someone's time too. Yeah. And and we and oftentimes we forget that. And I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I mean, it's, it's like from the outside, you could you could you try to get a, a picture of. Of what someone's life is like in a way. But yeah. it's really not that accurate, right?
0: Yes. Uh, I feel like right. if I were to abstract at one level. Because I, I got pretty specific there. Um, for, for me, well, first of all, I, I hate the term work-life balance. Because it, it implies that like your work and life are separate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas like you need to be alive to work. So it's really just balance. You don't really yeah. need to brand it. Um, agreed, agreed. And and balance is just knowing what is important to you in your life and making sure that you give each thing the right amount of attention. So if, if your children are important to you, if your significant other is important to you, if there's a hobby or some form of expression that is important to you, make sure that you're giving that thing enough time. If you can't find enough time for that thing, then by definition, it means that you're giving something else too much time. Look at that mm-hmm. thing and ask yourself, does it belong in my life? Yes or no? If it does, bring down the time. If it doesn't, get rid of it. And that's it. Right. Um, but as far as the argument around like over, you know, like working, working really hard or not working really hard, the, the, the word that people are forgetting is sustainability, right? If you are burning yourself out each week, um, you might beat your competitor week one, week two, week three, but week four, when you're homesick because your immune system is pretty much like non-existent, your competitor is just going to walk right by you and continue yeah. to walk by you until you get better if you get better right i mm-hmm. don't want to uh kill myself out and not be able to do the kind of work i love doing past 35 i want to be able to do it as long as i'm able to be alive right
1: yeah um yeah.
0: and that that's my approach to that
1: oh uh, that's 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 wonderful i agree and it's not like we're professional football players or something right we <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> right right we we <laughs> there there is no yeah uh, yeah amen to all that um that's super and i think that's that's a great point to, to stop at i think because uh it was good advice for everybody and um it was really great talking with you This was Jared. really fun yeah and and i we appreciate it a lot and i think it's cool because we got into some topics that that we haven't uh, yet before on this podcast and um you know they're equally as important as as anything or even more so really um uh, so thanks for what you do and we'll be we'll keep watching uh playbook and lattice and high resolution (laughs) and whatever else (laughs) whatever else comes next for you which i know is going to be it's going to be awesome yeah thanks a lot yeah thanks man